This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. How can we square the value of letting wild horses roam free while also respecting property rights? Hannah Downey of the Property and Environment Research Center sat down with me at the State Policy Network annual meeting in Salt Lake City to discuss how public lands get used and the conflicts those lands often invite. Wild horses running through fields are beautiful, majestic. It's something that you would want in your Montana tourism video. Uh, but they do cause problems. They run from piece of property to piece of property and they destroy things. And yet, I mean, it's not something that we want to get rid of necessarily, right? Yeah. So, so how do we how do we help understand that wild horses are just they're running free, and yet uh, we want to preserve that, and yet we have these things called property rights, and we want to protect those too. Yes. So a large problem with wild horses is they're they're all across the West and and they don't care who owns the property. Uh, they're a big issue on, on private lands, destroying fences, um, taking forage from cattle, that sort of thing. But mostly they're on the public rangelands, and that's where we're having a lot of the problems. These horse populations, they they're explosive. They're they reproduce exponentially, and so we're seeing huge populations way outside of the carrying capacity of the range. All right. So fixing that problem, what what could we possibly do? If, if this is on – these are mostly on federal lands, do we really care that they're destroying property and taking forage from these uh, cows? We do, and there's – there are so many competing demands over our western rangelands. A lot of private ranchers uh, hold grazing permits to those lands, and so the cattle need that forage. Um, in addition, there's species that we care about, sage grouse, elk. Um, they all compete for the same grass and water that these horses use. Just the, And also just general health of the range. Um, the horses deplete, deplete grass and soil and water harm and um, if we want to have these healthy, intact ecosystems, we need to think about the carrying capacity for horses. All right. So what do we do? Wild horses are a very political problem, ultimately. The science is there. People know that we have too many horses and too little land for it. So we need to think about how do we move beyond this uh, and how do we get these horses off the range? But it's not just moving them off the land into private holding facilities. That's incredibly expensive for taxpayers. Um, it's estimated right now that there are almost 50,000 wild horses in these off-range private holding facilities, costing taxpayers over the course of these horses' lifetimes up to $1 billion. It's a financial problem. Um, so we need to find ways to get, ultimately get these horses into, into private hands. Um, and ways to do that are increasing adoptions. For example, the Bureau of Land Management right now is looking at an approach that would use incentive payments, where rather having private individuals pay to adopt these horses, the BLM actually pays people to take the horses off their hands. And this is an approach that we've seen used. Humane societies already use it, you know, and this they pay for um, health care or things for adopted dogs or cats for the first year of their life. And this has proven really successful in kind of incentivizing that private ownership of an animal. What's the alternative with uh, wild horses to what you're talking about? What is, what is the most likely result from 
not dealing with the problem in the way that you described. Unfortunately, the reality is starvation for these horses on the range. Uh, There have been political movements that have hindered the BLM's ability to use tools like sterilization or even euthanasia in drastic cases to bring the horse populations down. Um, And so as a result, it means we just have all of these horses on the land. There's no grass. There's no water. They're starving to death. So as a wild horse lover, you really have to ask yourself, you know, the reality isn't that horse running through the sagebrush. The reality is a horse starving to death. And so you need to think about what does that mean and allowing the BLM to use some of these tools to get horses into private hands. Um, Another tool being looked at um, would be actually increasing the area available for these horses. So right now, these grazing permits on federal lands can only are held by ranchers for their cattle. Um, It would require some policy changes, but thinking about ways for wild horse advocates to actually purchase some of these grazing permits and then allowing horses to be grazed on the range, therefore, therefore enhancing the supply of forage and things available to horses so we can increase that carrying capacity. You and I have talked about this, or or perhaps I uh, talked about this with uh, your colleague, Holly Fretwell. The, the Just the very notion that there are competing uses for public lands. Absolutely. It's, it's almost counterintuitive for a lot of people because we view pub, people who don't live in the, the, the Great West as you do, we view the public lands as purely recreation areas. And that's that's all. We don't know that there's timber harvesting. We don't know about grazing. We don't know about these competing uses. And yet for people who have cattle grazing on lands or are doing timber harvesting or some, some other kind of extraction uh, from the land, what are they paying for that? And are they paying enough? Absolutely. That gets down to the very kind of fundamental question of what are our public lands for? Traditionally, these lands were used to provide forage for cattle ranchers, uh, timber for building houses and our resources that we need, mining for resources that we need. Um, And now there's these kind of changing demands for recreation and wildlife, the more kind of amenity uses. Um, and, And so that brings up a fundamental question of how are these public lands funded and what do we do with that? Um, we raise some money from timber sales, mining, those sorts of things, but increased conflict over that has led to reduction in those sales and questions over that source of revenue for our public land managers. Hannah Downey is a policy analyst at the Property and Environment Research Center in Bozeman, Montana. We spoke at the State Policy Network annual meeting. You can rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.